Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Welcome to Affected by Altitude, our very special episode. This is your one-stop shop for all your Rockies news, highlights, updates, hot takes, bad takes, and award-winning takes, as this is, as we record here on this lovely Friday, getting ready to head into the weekend, where we will more than likely see our World Series contenders chosen And uh, as such, we decided no better time to go ahead and kind of wrap up the Rockies, sort of talk about the 2021 season, discuss the year-end awards that we have after what was a really uh, up-and-down season, I think, safe to say. As always, I am joined by my two bestest pals, my award-winning friend, Skylar Timmons. I have the award for Most Handsome. That's exactly right. And Evan Lang. I won the award for Cutest Couple. Absolutely. And your uh, other half, of course, being our editor of this here podcast. Oh, I was going to let you tell them the name. Okay, fine. We'll <laughs> Sorry, I, fine. I didn't fine. realize you were trying to lead further into a bit there. I was just like, I, it's uh, fine. We'll, we'll let the nameless editor remain a mystery. And as always, my name is Mac Wilcox. And it's taken us a season, but our chemistry is still just as strong as it ever was. This is, of course, Affected by Altitude, a Rockies podcast hosted by Purple Row, which is, of course, the Rockies affiliation of 
SB Nation. And this is it. The 21, 2021 season is rapidly approaching its end, and we are here to kind of wrap up the season that the Rockies have had. We talked a lot about these different awards, these different accolades that uh, some of these players and this team deserve, and we are here to bring you our final results. So uh, I guess before anything, what in lieu of a true icebreaker, uh, I didn't really put this on the schedule, so I'm going to just kind of throw this on you guys. In lieu of a true icebreaker, this was our first season for myself, Evan, and Skyler being a part of writing and podcasting for Purple Row. What's your takeaway from this season? Did you guys have a good time? I know the losing record obviously is tough, but did you guys enjoy yourselves here as we uh, started our first go-round of Purple Row? I'll start with you, Skyler. How was your how was your first season on the old beat? Oh, it was awful. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, it, it was awesome. You know, I love Rockies baseball, and mm. you know, it, this was a perfect opportunity. It came a time when you know, I was still looking for work at a college and you know, not having much luck with COVID and everything and doing what I want to do, and this gave me an opportunity to get my foot into the baseball world and get some writing experience, which has been a lot of fun, and I love podcasting, so that's been a good experience too, and just getting to know everybody at the Purple Row and all of our homies. It's It's been a good time. A lot of learning, a lot of good baseball, and having a community of people to talk to, which is Dig something it. I really haven't had with the Rockies. <laughs> Dig it. Yeah, if uh, anyone doesn't know, um, I'm sure you guys already do, but Skyler is part of our Rockpile team. He writes uh, these awesome weekly articles um, talking just various aspects of Rockies baseball and minor league news, things like that. Check those out if you have not already. Uh, Evan, how about you, man? How was your first season? I had a blast. It's a a really nice year. It was really great to join the Purple Row team. Uh, Podcasting was so much fun. I love being able to have all these folks to talk to. And, yeah, great year. Had a wonderful time. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, and then, of course, Evan is uh, kind of our go-to person for a lot of rock piles as well as breaking news, man. Evan's always on top of the breaking news, the Rockies, writing up these articles constantly about various transactions that are made, about, you know, minor league to major league moves, things like that. Um, came in huge for uh, the Purple Row team throughout the season. And, yeah, man, it's been great. Purple Row is a great time. Literally every single person uh, that is part of the, the website is a stellar individual. I mean, truly, man, we've, we've made a lot of really good friends here. I've hung out with uh, some of the guys and some of the gals outside of uh, – Outside of this just podcast space, we grabbed, uh, you know, some quick little meetups before some of the games, had some good conversations about, uh, you know, Rockies baseball and about life in general, man. Good, good bunch of people here at Purple Row. Very, very happy that I got to take part in this year's season. Looking forward to hopefully many more, man. So dig it. Uh, and, you know, just shout to the to the listeners, man. Like, this is our first time doing this podcast. We, all three of us, had a really, really nice time speaking for Evan and Skyler here. We've had a great time doing this show. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of alluded to it in the last couple of episodes. We'll probably start slowing down the releases just a bit throughout the offseason just because it's going to be slower naturally. But we've had a blast doing this. We're going to keep on doing it. And uh, we appreciate everybody that listens in. Appreciate everybody that checks out the website. Um, yeah, good stuff. But enough of my lollygagging, my hot dogging and grandstanding. It's time for us to get some awards, gentlemen. Are you all ready? I've been looking forward to this. So this is going to be our official Great Big Affected by Altitude Awards show for the 2021 season. And uh, there's been much discussion and to-do. 
and uh, I've been looking forward to this. I love sort of picking out what my favorites and who my leaders were at the end of the season because if you've ever met me in person, you know that if you get me started talking about baseball, I won't shut up. <laughs> and that's why this podcast is so great is because it gives me an avenue where I don't need to shut up. That's perfect. Uh, well, let's not keep waiting any longer. Let's get right to our first award. And I want to be clear about something before we start. The three of us have not discussed who we have as the winner for each one of these awards. We're hoping to have a little bit of discussion uh, during the actual presenting of the award and then kind of pick our, you know, unanimous winner if we're able to come to a decision about it. So not knowing any of the answers here, let's get to it. Starting off with a big one, the starting pitcher of the year. I'll start with Skyler. So obviously pretty straightforward award. Who was the most consistent starter who was the guy that stepped up the most for you, and who deserves to be called the Rockies' best starting pitcher in this 2021 season? So my starter of the year uh, feels like an obvious one. It's the Rockies' lone all-star game representative in 2021, one Herman Marquez, mm. uh, who just had a good, solid year. Uh, main still remains as the ace of that staff. And just a workhorse. Yeah, he had some bumpy roads throughout the year, but didn't miss a start through 180 innings. Uh, had a 1.272 whip. Uh, had 176 strikeouts, only 64 walks. And he had a 3.86 FIP. And, you know, just a, a overall solid year for, for the Kaiser, as some call him. <laughs> I dig it. I'm going to pop in before I let that answer. Sorry, brother. It's only because I totally agree with Skyler. I want to see if your answer is maybe different. I think Herman Marquez has really stepped up. I also have him as my, you know, pitcher of the year. I think, uh, you know, maybe not quite as uh, effective as he was last season in a much, obviously, much, much, much smaller sample size. He definitely seemed to um, kind of lose some steam towards the end of the season, but like we talked about uh, last podcast with Evan specifically talking about how the, you know, amount of time that they played baseball was dramatically increased this year. I think even so, I think that Herman is just continuing to improve, continuing to mature. He has gotten to be that guy that every fifth day you just count on the Rockies for win. He had multiple instances this season of flirting with a no hitter. There was a period where it seemed like every time he took them out, you were going to get at least six or seven no hit innings. Uh, I think that, a lot of pitchers on the Rocky staff kind of stepped up this season, which we'll talk about here a little bit later. But I think if you have to give it to one starter that took it home, it's got to be Herman Marquez. But let's see if Evan has something different. So this is how it's going to be, huh? Right off uh -huh. the bat? Uh-huh. Let's do it. I disagree. Okay. Okay. Uh, I want to start with saying that I love Herman, and he did have, for the most part, a very strong season, especially being named to his first All-Star game and being our lone representative in the 2021 All-Star Game. But I think his inconsistencies, especially at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season, keep him out of there for me, where okay. he had a he had a real tough time sort of picking up steam to start the season, then hit that groove, and then at the end of the season just really sort of nosedived. And that is why my candidate for starting pitcher of the year, you know him, you love him. <laughs> it's Antonio Sensatella. Okay. Sensatella had an ERA just to take over Hermans uh, of 4.42, mostly due to his last start of the season just 
being sort of rough that was the the very last time he took them out of the year. He pitched 156 and two-thirds innings. He uh, had a FIP of 3.61, better than Ermans, and an ERA plus of 108, which matches Ermans. And the big key for Antonio Senzatela is he walked astonishingly less batters than pretty much everyone else. Erman Marquez walked 64 batters this year in his 180 innings. In around 30 less innings, Antonio Sensatella has half the walks at 32. Mm-hmm. He also gave up way less home runs at 12. So Sensatella wasn't like the lights-out strikeout guy because that's not the pitcher that he is. We've discussed at length that Sensatella is a true ground ball specialist. He works at inducing ground balls and keeping up from hard fly ball contact. And that led him to be one of the Rockies' most consistent starting pitchers this year. He rattled off a streak of seven quality starts in a row towards the end of the season. And he only missed uh, about four total starts. So he had the second most, uh, sorry, third most starts of any starting pitcher on this roster and the second most total innings pitched. Mm-hmm. Senza Taylor took a massive step forward this season in being a very strong and reliable starting pitcher right out of the gate. And he earned himself that big contract extension that he got right after the end of the season. Uh, New Rockies general manager Bill Schmidt signed Antonio Senzatela to a contract extension that brings him through at least 2026. And he's definitely earned that. And I think with how reliable he was, especially when it came to limiting home runs and limiting walks, which is something that other members of the Rockies rotation sort of struggled with this year, Sends a tail walks away with it for me. Okay. Very interesting. I will say I have Antonio sends winning another award, but I will get to that a little bit later. So a bit. Oh, and by the way, everyone that's listening, feel free to let us know on Twitter who you have winning each one of these awards. If you have Herman versus Sensatella, let us know. Maybe you got somebody different. You know, maybe maybe you had another starting pitcher really stick out to you. Let us know who you guys have winning each one of these awards. Chichi Gonzalez. Chichi Gonzalez, starting pitcher of the year. Okay, on to our next pitching award, which is the <laughs> reliever of the year. I'll start with you this time, Evan. Again, pretty straightforward. Who was the most consistently excellent or who was the most uh, relied upon uh, reliever that the Rockies had out of their bullpen? Who was the guy that you want coming in with the game on the line? So, by by the end here, I had it sort of narrowed down to two. Uh, but I think I have to give this one to the rookie, Mr. Lucas Gilbreth. With that 3.38 ERA in 47 total appearances, he ended up being just outside of the top five for total appearances for Rockies pitchers. Uh, 64 and one-third total innings which is, I believe, the third most overall innings pitched for any Rockies reliever. ERA plus of 110 and a FIP of 4.63. He stumbled a little bit out of the gate, coming straight up from having never played above A-level ball before and gave up that home run on his very first big league pitch. But once he settled in, He was incredibly reliable, he was incredibly poised, and had overall just a very, very strong season that you want to see 
from a rookie getting their first big league action. And I think the Rockies did a really good job of giving him consistent playing time because with with the bullpen the way it was um, this season, there was no reason for him to not be getting consistent innings. Mm -hmm. And he took that workload and he ran with it. And Mm -hmm. there are some other relievers who I think did very, very well this season. But for me, there's no one I would give it to over – uh, Lucas Gilbreth. I do want to apologize. Uh, Gilbreth had 42 and two-thirds innings, not 64 and one-third. For sure. No, I like that. Okay, that's a pretty strong pick, but Skyler may disagree. Indeed I do. Okay. Uh, this is good, man. I like this. We all got different opinions. What do you, you got, so, Skyler? So for me, uh, looking through everything, and the one that just stuck out through me more and more throughout the season was Yuli Chassin. Uh, just his whole journey throughout this season where he was signed like right before opening day of hey you're gonna be our long relief guy and that's where he was but he wasn't getting much time wasn't pitching much we'd go weeks without seeing him Mm -hmm. but then as the season went on he started to get more and more appearances where eventually he was basically the setup man for uh, Carlos Estevez by the end of the season so he went from being a starter that left the Yankees, signs with the Rockies as a reliever, and pretty much ends the season as a setup guy. And you know, he just provided that veteran presence and really a lot of stability in the back end of that bullpen as the year went on. And you know, I, I put a lot of stock into guys that are there to you know, show up every day and help compete mm-hmm. and provide a lot of you know, things outside of the numbers. And Chassin did that throughout the year and no, he threw, um, uh, I think it's second most innings or up there uh, behind Tyler Kinley, where he went 64 and a third innings, had a 434 ERA, uh, had that 1.259 whip, and you know, just throughout the year just provided a lot of stability, pitched his guts out as the veteran reliever out there in the bullpen, and you know, it was good to see Chassin come back and just kind of see the success he's had in his career post-Rockies coming back and bringing some of that success to a Rockies bullpen that really needed it this year. But, yeah. uh, you know, so he just barely beats out Lucas Gilbreth for me, who again, phenomenal year by Gilbreth in his rookie season. But for me, I, I got to go with that veteran Chassin. just good to see him come back and, and be the way he was. Totally. And that's a great pick because Chassin was, if I didn't give it to Gilbreth, uh, Chassin was the guy I was going to mm-hmm. give it to. And a lot of those extra numbers I read off, so uh, I had the wrong line highlighted on Baseball Reference, where I have all the stats pulled up here. And a bunch of those I was reading off were uh, Jolie's Chassin's, where he nice. did have the uh, third most innings pitched on the entire bullpen at 64 and one-third. He had that ERA plus of 110. Gilbreth's was actually 142, and he had that FIP of 4.63. Uh, Gilbreth's was actually 4.32. So taking this opportunity to correct myself, but also to um, you know put out there that I think Chessine is is a really really strong pick for yeah. for this award because it was it was great to see him come back home and want to be here and contribute in the way that he did. Absolutely. And especially because, like we were saying, he didn't get that much time at the beginning of the season. Right. Where And then when he did come out, he's kind of not great. But then once he started getting more reps, kind of like Lucas Gilbreth, once these guys started getting regular roles and more reps, they just took off. 
both of them. And they had both of them had some good stretches. Uh, I know Chassin had some good stretches throughout the year uh, of scoreless innings and, and limiting damage. So uh, it's a tough pick, but both good choices. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like it. I like Chassin. I like Gilbreth. My pick is Yancey. Um, no, I'm kidding. It's going to be Chassin also. Uh, no offense, Yancey. Love you, man. No, uh, it's also good. For me, personally, same with you two, two guys. It came down to Gilbreth and it came down to Chassin. I am going to give it to Chassin just barely, just because uh, of the numbers that you guys have both mentioned. Like, 64 and a third innings pitch, like you guys said. He, you know, came out there, and we, I think, I don't think it's a hot take to say that the signing of Jolie's Chassin to the Rockies at the start of the season was a bit of a meh signing, because he was signed as a probable innings, innings eater, Maybe, you know, come pitch four innings in a blowout, whatever. And to see him develop this far into his career, too. I mean, the guy's been around for 10 years, you know. To see him develop into a really strong uh, late-inning reliever for the Rockies that I think we'd all like to see come back next season, I think that is a huge testament to his ability to adapt and to just say, okay, team, what do you need from me right now? And it ended up working out great for them, so... Chassin is also my reliever of the year. I'm not going to, you know, I'm never going to disagree if somebody took Gilbreth in the end, but I will go ahead and go with my pick officially being Jolie's Chassin as well. And what's interesting about Chassin is that he had never really been a reliever before. Exactly. The majority of his career, he was a starter. And he was a starter up through you know, last year and in, in this off season where uh, he was aiming for a starting spot with the, with the Yankees and his conversion to reliever was, was really, really strong. And we talk about um, streaks where he was just really excellent. So Gilbreth and Chassin both had one where Chassin went like 14 appearances in a row without giving up a run. And, Chassin went the entire month of July without giving up a run. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, man. I And this progression of the Rockies bullpen, again, we've talked about it turning into actual top flight relievers. It's been great to see. And Julius Chassin's a part of that, man. So I'm happy with it. Yeah. I'm happy with the success. Looking for more of it. Yeah, and if, real quick, like if Jordan yeah, yeah. Sheffield and Robert Stevenson had even gotten even more time without those injuries and stuff they dealt with, they would have easily been in this conversation yes. too. Because they both yes. had great years. So there were some bright spots in that bullpen, mm-hmm. even though people don't like to realize it sometimes. True. <laughs> the fact that we have this many positives to talk about with this bullpen compared to like last year or the year before, where you know Kinley definitely struggled at the beginning of the season, but he locked it down mm-hmm. at the end and was our most relied upon reliever. Uh, people hate on Estevez, but he had a pretty solid year. And then... Uh, like Skyler said, Robert Stevenson and Jordan Sheffield, if they had gotten more time out there, which unfortunately they lost due to various injuries, they definitely would be in the conversation for this award. And it's such a nice change of pace to know that going into next year, we have relievers that we can rely on. Optimism for the 2022 Rocky season. Get out of here. None of that around these parts. Um, let's move on to our next one. Right, let's go to best dress. So bit of a goofy one here. Uh, this is just anyone that you felt rocked the best hair, maybe the best, you know, clothing, maybe some cool tattoos, whatever you guys got on your mind. Starting with you here, Evan, who do you got as the best dress Rockies player this season? 
So my choice for best dressed Rockies player this season goes to uh, and making up for him getting the snub for starting pitcher of the year goes to Armand Marquez, who okay. looked really really slick in his suit walking down the purple carpet at the All Star game this year. It's a great pick. It's a great pick. I like and, that. And I just linked it to y'all in our little chat here that we used to share stuff while we're recording, fresh. but. He looked super fresh, uh, just totally rocking it in his first time walking down the carpet. And so I'm giving it to him. I dig it, man. Yeah, that suit, man. It's, uh, what is that, velour? I'm not good with materials, but it looks fire. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Who you got, Skyler? Oh, man. Uh, I know, it's a tough one. <laughs> Put me on the spot. I wasn't planning on clothing. Uh <laughs> Could be anything, man. Who, I mean, could be a beard. Could yeah. Be a so I actually, I have a two. I have a two-parter here because this is okay. something we had originally talked about of best mullet and my best beard with the <laughs> team, and because that was always the run joke. We noticed that the Rockies had a lot of guys rocking a mullet type of haircut. Bring it uh, back. So it, it's hard to choose. So for best mullet, I went with Brendan Rogers, who I just really liked. His is nice and clean. It's kind of a clean mullet. <laughs> A respectable mullet, as we call okay. it, where it's nice and clean. He had sometimes the curls, so a pretty respectable party in the back. Uh, but then once you got up to the business part, it was also very <laughs> quite businessy, very professional. But you could tell that there was he still liked to party. So a nice clean Scientific mullet. Scientific breakdown of this mullet. This is good. It, it was a very good mullet for Brendan Rogers in a really breakout season, uh, and he beat out who my best beard winner is in Charlie Blackman. Because Charlie Blackman's mullet, it's gotten kind of nasty. I don't like how stringy and long it is. Oh. It's, it, it, it bugs me. But his beard, you can't beat Chuck Nasty's beard. The big woodsman beard. It's true. You know, after he finishes hitting a home run, he's going to go fight a bear for a fish <laughs> out in Denver somewhere. So, you know. oh, Chuck Nasty with the woodsman beard. He's he's Those two combined will be my best dressed woodsman like combo. That. So do I we like need that. to bring back the best mullet award? Because I have a different, I have a differing opinion. Oh my goodness! Who would have thought that the best dress would be the most controversial award? Okay, <laughs> well then, who's your mullet then? Best mullet is Connor Joe. Really? Connor Joe looked, his looked really, really slick every time. Where the party in the back, it like flows down so naturally, and then he's got it nice and short. But then the the business up top is a little bit longer. So that he could sort of streak it back and and style it a little bit more. Connor Joe, his hair looked great pretty much all year. Boy, this is gonna be a fan award, I think. I think we're gonna need a lot of the uh, listeners to write in some of their answers here because there's a lot of different ideas swirling around here. We got so much that goes into this topic. We've got great suits, we've got great hair, we've got good beards. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can uh, really answer this one. This is a tough one. And consider how many people had mullets on the team throughout yeah. the season. I think we had at least five different people who had mullets. So let us know online, then. We'll, we'll let you fans help <laughs> us out with this one, just because there's so many good answers. I mean, like you guys just named, like four different respectable and understandable answers to this thing. Let us know who you guys have online. This will be one of the ones I specifically want some fan interaction on. Best dressed, make it a... 
be it a suit or a jersey or a mullet or a beard or tattoos, whatever you guys got, man, because we'll need some help with this one. Also, special recognition to CJ Crone and whatever that Wolverine sideburns beard combo <laughs> thing that he always had. It was like mutton chops into just Hugh Jackman Wolverine sideburns. Dig it. The Rockies are a very good-looking team. I learned that today. All right. Speaking of surprising, uh, which was all the different answers we had to that one, let's go to our next award, which is the wildest surprise or the craziest moment, specific moment of the season. Uh, we will do maybe this one and one more. We'll take a quick commercial break here. But let's go ahead and get into that, Skylar. What was the craziest, nuttiest single moment of the season for you? It could be during a game. could be maybe like a, a move that they had made, some sort of roster move. What was the craziest moment of the season for you? So the thing that has stuck with me all season that just kept happening was to Rymel Tapia at Coors Field in his defensive adventures out True. there in left field. Opening day, Justin Turner's on first. Cody Bellinger blasts one uh, out to, to left field. And Tapia looks like he catches it. And then there's the whole escapade of Turner running past uh-huh. Bellinger and Bellinger's out and then Turner scores on the two run solo home run. But then you look at the replay and Tapia literally had the ball in his glove and basically it carries and then flings out into the stands for the home run. And so that was crazy. And then let alone later on in another series against the Dodgers, uh, Toppy is in left field again. Zach McKinstry hits one out to left field. He jumps, basically makes the catch on the replay, but him hitting the wall and whatever, the ball pops out of his glove and it turns into an inside-the-park home run for McKinstry. And so those two things have just cracked me up. And just poor Rymel Tapia making these spectacular catch attempts, had the ball in his glove, but unable to secure the ball, and it results in these two weird home runs. We're just yeah. the wildest things for me this year to both happening at Coors Field against the Dodgers. Yeah. The adventures of Rymel Tapia versus the left field wall. Seriously. Because those are, those are the two biggest ones, but there were multiple other ones this season where he tried to make, you know, what would have been jaw dropping awe inspiring plays at the wall and just something went wacky with it. Mm-hmm. He just hits the wall and he just flings out or yeah. weird stuff. So if we have Skyler given two awards to Rymel Tapia, here are your two individual awards for these wild instances. Do you have something different, Evan? Uh, for my moment of the year, um, I don't know if y'all will agree with me here, but I got to go with Coors Field Cat. Okay. On April 2nd versus the Dodgers, where the cat went running onto the field looking... Not very pleased to be there watching the Coors Field staff be very unaware of how to properly handle a cat. <laughs> and that just being a, a really memorable moment that, you know, didn't really affect much in terms of gameplay or the season as a whole. But certainly the most fun, something that kept being talked about for pretty much the remainder of the season. Yeah, immediate entry into like Colorado Rockies meme dumb. I'm a bit biased in my answer, I'm not going to lie, just because the Coors Cat game was the first game report I ever did officially as a member of the Purple Row writing staff, so that was also my pick. The Rymel Tapia plays were insane. Like, they were nutty. And you might never see something so crazy as a rudder passing 
another run on a home run again. But that was a baseball play. And as weird as that was, it happened in a game of baseball, and it could happen again. The Coors Cat was just so ridiculous. It was so out of nowhere. We were just watching a baseball game, and all of a sudden, this mangy-looking cat, no offense, Coors Cat, but this mangy-looking animal just runs onto the field, and all of a sudden, like Evan said, like the Coors staff is running around like, what do we do in this? Like, what? How do we get this cat off the field? It was so funny. It was so much fun. I loved it. I thought it was just a great moment, and I that's my pick for the craziest moment of the year, and it's one that I cherish for sure. So, yeah, um, so the only reason that I don't choose the cat, one because you no know, the those type of animals like that or a squirrel in the field is pretty common. Uh-huh. Where uh-huh. no, for once I'd like to see just some random animal, just even more bizarre, you know, just like a <laughs> wild turkey appears on the field somehow, or <laughs> you know, like the time the giant eagle attacked James Paxton when they were doing the national oh, anthem. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I just want something crazy like that to happen, or just oh. It's <laughs> just some random Denver animal popping up on the field. There's a grizzly bear <laughs> rounding second base. Get out of the way. But the best, Man, that w- the best thing to come from the cat was the slow motion, the, the slow motion thing they got of it of just just majestically it, running on the field. It was so good, wasn't it? I loved it. I thought, yeah, it was so good. And now the course cat has its own uh, Twitter page too, which is hysterical to me. Um, course cat man. Love the chorus, cat. Let's do one more. Let's take a commercial break. This is a fun one. Uh, this is best new friend. So I'll, I'll keep switching up here and ask Evan here first. Uh, best new friend is, of course, going to be any new addition to the Rockies roster uh, this season, preferably from outside the organization, but, you know, maybe just an under uh, underlooked rookie as well. Who was the new player to the 2020 run Rockies that you feel contributed the most and really kind of stuck out to you this season? Uh, this one's super tough. Uh, it is, I haven't it? I haven't narrowed down to two people, but I'm going to have to give the best new friend award to Connor Joe. Okay. Because I don't think that there is anyone who really delighted the fan base and immediately had the fans on their side than Connor Joe mm-hmm. with the with the Joe 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 chance and. His, you know, his, his inspiring story, his late arrival into the league because of his, you know, health issues, and then really, really having a strong season to boot with that, where, you know, he's this 28, 29-year-old rookie who immediately turns heads and became a really strong contributor that definitely deserves uh, the chance at a everyday spot next season, and... The other, my other option for for this award was C.J. Crone, who came from outside the organization and made just such a huge impact offensively. Definitely. But in addition to making a strong impact on the field, be it uh, with his bat, which really heated up in the later months of the season, or defensively by learning and playing well in an entirely new position to him out in left field, as well as just you know, being an absolute delight to have on the team and having the, the fans really take a shine to him immediately. Mm-hmm. I got to go Connor Joe. I like it. Connor Joe is a blast and also rocking that great mullet like you mentioned earlier. Who you got for your best new friend, Skyler? Yeah, I got to agree with Evan that it's Connor Joe. Because, you know, yeah, C.J. Crone, I love C.J. Crone. He was my other pick along with Evan. You know, But 
the thing with C.J. Crone is he's really a quiet, reserved guy. Like, he's really quiet. He goes in, hits his home run, runs around the bases, goes into the dugout. Didn't want to, He didn't participate in the wearing the home run glasses. He's like, I'm glad other guys do that, but I'm not going to do it. No, so C.J. Crone's the old school type of ball player I like. But Connor Joe just embodied just that childlike joy of baseball this year. Mm-hmm. No, and he was he reminded me just so much of what you know when I think of fan favorite Rockies players, it, Connor Joe just comes to mind. Kind of along those avenues of like Charlie Blackman or you know uh, Spilly and everything. Just this nice humble guy you know, who just loved playing the game, played it well, and you know it, it was always fun just seeing him interact with his teammates and you know, with the media and everything. Connor Joe, man, what a great addition to the Rockies, and I look forward to him getting more chances and stuff. But he's he's my best new friend this this after this season. And I think the true heir to the number nine on his jersey. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. Joe, is, Joe is the latest to wear nine on his jersey. But, you know, when you think back about all of the Rockies who have worn number nine, there's really only a couple who who stand out as these fan favorites. And that's Vinny Castilla, DJ LeMahieu, and now Connor Joe. All guys who just love the game of baseball and are fan favorites here in Denver. And I think Joe is the the true heir apparent to that number. Because, you know, Daniel Murphy wore it the last two years, but Daniel Murphy never really felt like a Rocky, regardless of of how you feel about uh, him as a person or as a player. He just never really felt like a true Rocky or a fan favorite like guys like Vinny or DJ or now Connor Joe do. Would you believe... That best new friend is our first unanimous award winner because I'm also saying Connor Joe. I think you guys nailed it. I think he is just a guy that you love to have around. We're going to have more awards a bit later on for, you know, the best overall offensive player and, you know, maybe the overall MVP of the season and things like that. And Connor Joe might not be necessarily in that conversation. So why is he still the best new friend? Because of everything you guys said, the cultural addition that he brings the love of the game, the immediate fan support, the Joe, 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 Joe. Like, it's infectious, man. I love Connor Joe. I think he is a great addition, and I am with you guys. I cannot wait to see what he brings next season. Unanimous award winner, Connor Joe. That a boy, man. Joe, 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 Joe. (laughs) Amazing, man. Uh, Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Uh, We are halfway through our awards. We'll go ahead and take a quick little ad spot, and we'll come on back and get the second half done with, like I said, talking about the most improved player of the year, offensive player of the year, decent player of the year, and, of course, the big one, the overall MVP of the Rockies. Stick with us through this break. We'll get to all that here and more in just a minute. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Appreciate you sticking with us through that ad break. We are back with the second half of the uh, Altitudes is what I've decided to call them. Uh, our awards, certainly, it's off the top of head. I don't know. So I will find a better one. Alties? Uh, anyway, the Helties? That's not bad. The Alties? Uh, I don't know, man. We should have thought of this beforehand. I just now was like, oh, well, we should have thought like some sort of... Th- whatever. Uh, anyway. We'll do it live. <laughs> fun here. That's exactly right. We'll do it live. Let's get to the Rookie of the Year. Uh, this, of course, is another pretty straightforward one. 
the new Rockies youngster that contributed the most to the team, that really made a name for himself, and that you'd really like to see a lot more of going forward, starting with you, Skyler. Who's your rookie of the year for the Rockies? Um, so the one that actually counts for this, I went with Lucas Gilbreth. Uh, we've talked a lot about him before, but yeah. just kind of reiterating just you know that transformation he had out there in the bullpen of really finding his footing out there and becoming a reliable piece in that bullpen, especially as a lefty reliever, which is something the Rockies desperately need more of out there in that bullpen. And you know, everybody thought Ben Bowden was going to be the guy out there this year, but he struggled mightily, and Lucas Gilbreth kind of filled in, uh, took his place, and really filled out nicely out there in the bullpen. And you know, among those rookies that the Rockies had this year, which were a lot, he's the one that stuck around the most and contributed the most and no couldn't ask much more of that from one of your pitchers especially one of your youngsters uh but my unofficial one since he doesn't technically count was brendan rogers (laughs) lucas gilbert is a great pick and brendan rogers is a great pick as well but yeah gilbert did mean a lot to the rockies team i know evan's big on him too did he also win rookie of the year for you absolutely yep the there's a couple other guys who uh, still count as rookies who definitely had big impacts on the team. Guys like Jordan Sheffield and Connor Joe, till, still technically a rookie. But nobody had a bigger impact than Lucas Gilbreth. And so that's just who you got to go for. Um, I do agree that if Brendan Rodgers was still a rookie, it would probably go to him. But mm-hmm. uh, he, he is not a rookie anymore. He's a rookie in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what By it is. service that's time, he's... He's a rookie since he hasn't played, been able to play that much because of his injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you guys. I think Gilbreth was such a great addition to the Rockies bullpen, man. He looks great. I'm loving uh, – and, you know, we talked a little bit about how he just, like, continued to step into these big roles. And I'm really looking forward to what we're going to see from him now that he's got this major league experience underneath his belt. Now he comes back next season understanding what it takes to be successful at the big league level – Going to start making some adjustments in my mind. Probably going to get even more dangerous. Really looking forward to what we see out of uh, next year's Rookie of the Year of 2021 award-winning Lucas Gilbreth. I'll mail you your uh, trophy, man. Don't worry. Keep it. Uh, keep your mailbox open for it. A little bit different award now. Most improved. So this would imply that someone had maybe a bad year in 2020. But I want to open it up not just to that. Maybe that is your pick. Maybe it's someone who had a really rough 2020 or maybe 2019 or whatever and came back and had a really nice season this year. But for the sake of having maybe a dark horse winner, I'm also going to take anyone that had a rough start of 2020 that maybe ended strong or really improved throughout the length of the season. So again, switching back and forth now, starting with you this time, Evan. Most improved player, either someone that is popping back from a bad couple seasons or someone that just really took off as this season went on. Uh, so I got to go with our not rookie rookie of the year in Brendan Rogers. Okay. Uh, Brendan Rogers had really the last couple years. Uh, you know, he made his debut in 2019. He mm-hmm. played very, very brief, brief, briefly in 2020, but really struggled both of those times. Got shut down to injury both years, but both in 2020, uh, 2020 and 2019, we really failed to see you know what made the Rockies so high on Brendan Rodgers as a prospect and why he was ranked so high overall in our organization as a prospect and 
it really took until this year where he finally had consistent playing time. Uh, he played in 102 games this season um, compared to in 2019, he played 25 and in 2020, he played just seven. Mm-hmm. And we finally saw him really able to break loose. He got hurt during spring training and that delayed his arrival a little bit. And then it took him a little bit to sort of get his, his mojo back. We've talked about it before, but sort of the, the post injury blues that some folks get where they, they need some time to get back into the rhythm of things. And once Brendan Rogers found his rhythm, he never really lost it again. He ended the season slashing 284, 328, 470 with 15 home runs and 51 RBIs, three triples and 21 doubles. That's a really, really strong season. Yeah. And a, uh, a B-War of, of 1.3 wins above replacement. He just had a really great year and showed that this is what he can do with consistent playing time, that he can be the everyday starter and potentially even a star down the road mm-hmm. where at the end of the season, he was our everyday second baseman and yeah. he had, he had multiple long hitting streaks. He hit really well on the road, which is not something you can say for a lot of our batters this year. Right. Um, where a lot of them struggled on the road or had these insane splits, but uh, Rogers actually hit overall better on the road than he did at home. Uh, at home, he hit 283, 19, 404. On the road, he hit 289, 337, 536. And the majority of his home runs came in ballparks away from Coors Field. I like it. I like that. It's a strong pick. Skyler may have something else to say, though. I do have something else to say. There it is. Uh, Rogers was on my list, but the one that just edged him out for me was our catcher, Elias Diaz. Uh, because strong Diaz. Strong choice. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a little bit of what he could do last year, but he didn't get to play much in 2020. Even though we were carrying three catchers, it was mostly Tony Walters and Drew Batera, if you fan favorite Drew Batera. Yeah. Uh, dripping with sarcasm there. <laughs> but, uh, no, we saw a little bit, but he provided most of the catcher offense last year and even just a small sample size. And then this year he was looked like he was going to be slated as just kind of the backup platoon with Dom Nunez who was ready to take over the reins and Nunez uh, he he had his start to the season but it, he was showing that he wasn't getting it done and no, Diaz also offensively wasn't getting it done either so there's right. kind of this black hole at catcher and through June 27th so from the beginning of the season through June 27th Diaz was slashing 161 245 242 with just two home runs and nine RBI. So nothing, doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But then from June 28th through the end of the season, October 1st, he slashed 294, 349, 593 with 16 homers and 35 RBI. And so he just had this turnaround offensively that really provided some pop out of the catcher spot that the Rockies have desperately needed over the years. And he started to bring it out. And you know, to a point where Diaz was batting fifth or sixth, which how often do have the Rockies ever batted their catcher that high up lately? Yeah. And so he, he provided a lot of pop. Ending the year overall offensively, uh, let me pull that up here real quick, with like a 243 average. Let me pull it up. There it is. 
246 average, 310 on base, 464 slugging. Uh, just a great year, 18 homers. That's the most the Rockies have seen in a while since, like, Willian Rosario. Mm-hmm. So just offensively getting it done. And then defensively, just what a great catcher behind the dish throughout the season. He had some shaky times, but then as he got more rep, more and more reps, just became a dominant player back there. Nine defensive runs saved on the year at catcher. Just cutting fools down, trying to steal second on him. Cannon of an arm. Heads up plays all over the diamond when he's behind the plate. Just Diaz from where he started to where he ended up this season. To put himself in a prime position where he is in a very prime spot to be the starting catcher in 2022. Good on him. Just what a great year for him. And it was fun to see that improvement over the course of that second half of the season. See, I thought that me picking Elias Diaz was going to be this hot take, but you've nailed it. That's my pick, too. I think Diaz turned around what you said, Skyler, was such a brutal start. I mean, my man was struggling hardcore at the plate, and even kind of behind the dish. Like, you could see he was not fully confident in his play calling. He made a couple errors at the start of the season, but, man, oh, man. I mean, you talk about post-All-Star break. You already read off the numbers, but this guy, I think... You know, the numbers don't even necessarily do it justice. I mean, he was tattooing baseballs. And you also mentioned what a great arm he has behind the plate. I would argue that Elias Diaz has one of the best arms we've seen a Rockies catcher have in the last six years, seven years. I mean, he's got an absolute howitzer. He was throwing out uh, base runners every time they were they were even leaning a little bit. So... I'm going to definitely say Elias Diaz is my pick for the most improved player. I thought he did a fantastic job of making adjustments, uh, which is not easy to do when you're a catcher, especially having to call a baseball game while also making adjustments at the plate yourself. Um, he did a great job, easily uh, you know, made those moves and became one of the Rockies' premier hitters at the end of the season. Huge fan of Diaz, and he is definitely my most improved this season, without and, question. And I'd go a step further with Evan's pick. Is Brendan Rodgers not just most improved? Oh, because he was in there. But I would – Brendan Rodgers is my breakout player of the year. Okay. Because of him finally getting that opportunity. So D, while Diaz is most improved for me, Rodgers is the breakout player. Just yeah. like Evan was talking about with all those numbers, having a road warrior that finally gets his time to shine, a healthy time to shine. Mm. Couldn't ask more of Rodgers. Good on him. Yes. Speaking of healthy, though – Something that you cannot understate for Diaz and how valuable he was this season was his durability. Absolutely. Absolutely. He played 106 games this year. And for for the first time since 1998, I believe, it's either 98 or 97, the Rockies only used two catchers for the entire season. They only kept two and they only used two. And that's just the second time that's ever happened, right? Yeah, it was Elias Diaz and Dom Nunez compared to back in the late 90s. It was Jeff Reed and Kurt Manwaring, mm. where it's been forever since we've had a guy who we can say, this is our starting catcher, and this is our two-man catching platoon. And his durability, because he took a lot of hits behind the yes, plate. He, he had ba- balls bouncing off his head. Yes, he, he did. Had, he had a couple really, really big scares where we thought, uh-oh, this is, he's going to need to spend some time away from the game. And he never missed a step. He never missed a beat. 
and he just had that huge offensive breakout after really slumping just so, so bad to, to start the season like Skyler took out. But he ended up as uh, the catcher with the lowest strikeout percentage who played more than 70 games uh, at 16.2. He also, in the National League, had the tied for the third most home runs of any catcher with Buster Posey at 18. There you go. And he's in the top 10 for total home runs by a catcher in the 2021 season. He really, really did bounce back. And if I hadn't picked Rodgers, it would have been Diaz. Love it. And then we are officially within our top four of our awards here. We are next going into our maybe the most fun award of all of them, the best walk-off win. Go to you, Skylar. What was your favorite walk-off win? Which one was the most exciting? Which one meant the most to you? What was the uh, the walk-off W that was your favorite? Rockies had more of them this year than they've ever had before, but one of them had to be your favorite. Which was it? So my favorite one, sticking with Elias Diaz, was his 10-pitch walk-off home run uh, in, in August, I believe, off the of J.B. Wendelkin, mm. or Wendelkin, however you say it. But just to <laughs> cap off a rally that the Rockies had in the ninth uh, to give them their 12th walk-off win of the season there. And just it was one of those old-school battles that you just love to see of just Diaz fighting off pitches, you know, doing everything he can, and capping it off, hitting the three-run homer to win the game over the Diamondbacks. And it was just phenomenal. I think, let's see, it says the ball went foul six times. So he fouled off six pitches, and in a 2-2 pitch is when he belts it out for the home run. So th- that was my favorite, just the battle that he had, and just then just rocking one in the place going nuts. That's my, that's my walk-off win of the year. Yes. it's uh, So, spoilers. I also was going to pick that one. I'm, again, biased a little bit because my pick is another Diaz home run. This one was the Diaz, uh, the Diaz, the home run that he hit over the Diamondbacks uh, that gave them their victory in August as well. Um, they, the reason I picked that was because I was at the game. Uh, it was just awesome. Uh, he, you know, again tattooed the baseball, landed just a couple rows in front of me. Uh, amazing moment. That is my, I'm right there with you. That's that's my walk off win. But what does Evan have to say about it? Uh, so that one is really really good. But the one I am going with is a little earlier in the season. This was on June 18th, and that was siege. It was maybe a little bit less exciting in what happened, and it was CJ Crone walking off the Milwaukee Brewers with a single. But the reason why I picked this one is because of what Crone did after he hit the single, where we talked about a little bit earlier, but, you know, Crone is a little bit more quiet and reserved. He doesn't really do the home run shades thing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But in this specific instance, you see him, after he crosses first base to cement the win, he just stops and, you know, he lifts his arms up and he looks straight up and sort of does like a majestic T-pose kind of thing as his teammates start to swarm him and like are spraying him with water and throwing the, the gum basket at him and stuff like that. And it was just, you know, nice to see CJ get excited and, you know, show off some, some personality that we, we don't normally see from him as such a quiet and reserved guy, 
but to me that one was just really really fun and and has some great photos from it but Seems that like that moment D- really yeah, it's such a great moment, but that Diaz walk-off was also really, really good. Yeah, it is true. The The moment itself and the celebration is such a huge part of a great walk-off win. But we get to our big three now, and these are kind of like our final awards. These are our, like, you know, I guess the best picture, best actor, best actress of these here uh, altitudes or whatever we called them. Uh, it's definitely not that. But uh, we have got... Some great defensive players on the Rockies, but only one of them can be called the Defensive Player of the Year. Evan, who do you want backing you up if you're a starting pitcher? Uh, who is the guy that's going to make the plays every single time? Who's your Defensive Player of the Year? That's Ryan McMahon. Bang. Uh, Ryan McMahon played sterling defense both at second base and third base this season. Uh, towards the end of the season, he had mostly been only playing third base, but he led the league in the total amount of de- defensive runs saved, or DRS, with 22. He had like 12 at second base and 9 at third. Sorry, I have that backwards. He had 12 at third base and 9 at second base, which put him in the upper echelons of defensive runs saved for both of those positions. And very, very rarely do you have a player who is so good at multiple positions that he is a he should be a candidate for a gold glove at both second base and third base and if he doesn't get a gold glove this year then it is absolutely criminal because he was defensively one of the best third basemen the entire season and he was defensively one of the best second basemen the entire season and he definitely deserves some accolades from that. His bat maybe didn't break out the way we wanted it to this year, but his glove was absolutely phenomenal, especially when, you know, a lot of Rockies fans were feeling the pain of losing the Nolan Arenado highlight show at third Mm -hmm. base every game that Ryan McMahon was able to step up and be just an absolutely incredible defender. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Uh, Ryan McMahon third and second that's i think the biggest thing is he was great at third base and second base one thing to be a great second baseman one thing great to be a great third baseman to be both that's that's kind of unheard of is skyler gonna have a different answer uh no (laughs) (laughs) right on Uh, as good as matt adams was at first base right uh, (laughs) right no ryan mcmahon is the only logical choice uh just what he did at both of those positions and filling in nicely. Those are tough shoes to fill. Yes. When you're in the shadow of Nolan Arenado for Yes. You know, that's what Rockies fans have gotten used to at third base. The years of DJ LeMahieu at second base. So for him to come in and then just dazzle at both of those positions has been just phenomenal. Between those two, he had seven errors on the season. Mm. Just at those two positions, which like Evan was talking about, a guy that's flipping around at a couple of positions, for him to be that good, you know, it's it's incredible. You know, and he had that ultimate zone rating uh, at second base of 2.9 and ultimate zone rating at third base of 6.1. So he's got good range, handles his positions well, knows how to take care of his area, get to balls, and you know, made some dazzling plays and you – know, the Rockies are a team that prides themselves on defense, and he's picked up that torch that Nolan Arnauto left behind and just carried it high, and he he needs a gold glove this yes. year. And how sweet would it be if he gets it at third base instead of Nolan Arnauto? 
um, just storylines as much as that would that would just be nice to see of hey we still got some good defense we can help us get over the Arenado trade a little more and stop mm-hmm. you know looking with such negativity towards everything and have some positivity towards some people no question well it's crazy yeah. because McMahon at third base had more than double the amount of defensive runs saved How than about Nolan that? Arenado How Arenado that? had six total DRS in you know about 1300 innings at third base and McMahon has 13 in about 848 innings. McMahon has the second most defensive run saved at third base behind Pittsburgh Cabri- Pittsburgh's Cabrian Hayes, mm. who had 16 in 766 innings. And then you wheel over to second base, and he had the fourth most defensive run saved of any second baseman behind Whit Merrifield, Marcus Semyon, and David Fletcher. Wow. How's that for a stat? Imagine not giving Ryan McMahon a gold glove this year. I'm with you guys, obviously. Spoilers. It's got to be him. He's been amazing. Yeah, and a huge credit to C.J. Crone for everything he did at first to help out those guys. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, C.J. Crone, uh, I don't think we're going to pick him for the defensive player of the year, but he did make some very, very nice digs at first base. I think uh, we've mentioned a few times here that he's probably the best overall first baseman that the uh, Rockies have had in a long time. So that's a good call-out, Skyler, for sure. So we go from the glove to the bat. The uh, second half of a Major League Baseballer's, uh, you know, full kit. Uh, we have a lot of people that I think the Rockies may have not impressed with uh, their offense this season overall. But there were some highlights, obviously. We talked about these walk-off wins. There have been some very uh, improved players uh, with the bat in their hands. But Skyler, there can only be one guy who is the best offensive player that the Rockies had all season. So who is your pick for the Rockies' best bat? So this is a tough one for me, but I think I settled on the crone zone, CJ yep. Crone. Uh, crone saw. Yeah, the crone, crone saw, saw is ready. <laughs> because, and why crone? Because, oh, I think the biggest thing, yes, he had these extreme splits, but he was dominant at home. Mm. And even on the road, he was still a valuable member in that offense where he helped out where he could. If he wasn't tearing the cover off the ball, leading the team in home runs with 28 leading with runs driven in with 90. He also led the team in walks, which is something the Rockies have struggled with. They don't walk as much as they probably should. Yes. He led the team with 60 walks. And kind of like with Elias Diaz that we talked a little bit about, these guys were a little bit better about getting on base, not just from smacking the ball, but they could draw their walks where they needed to. And Crone was very good with that, with that 375 on-base percentage and a 530 slugging. Just everything he did offensively helped carry that offense and brought some pop that the team desperately needed, which they were lacking because of the kind of down years from Charlie Blackman a bit and Trevor Story especially, where they kind of had these bizarre seasons, which weren't seasons we weren't used to seeing from those guys. C.J. Crone filled in and helped drive that offense most of the year, especially when he, after he got off to a cold start. Once he started going, he... Crone saw is ready, ready to hit some <laughs> grand slams, which he also set a record for. Yes, he did. Yeah, man. CJ Crone, uh, another strong contender we mentioned earlier for best new friend, just because of what he meant to that Rockies offense. Evan, are you still in the Crone zone as well? I'm in the Crone zone. There it is. There is no one who stepped up offensively like CJ Crone this season. 
and you know you can complain about his home and away splits but there's nothing wrong with being dominant at home you're playing 80 games there and dominant he was cj crone slashed 326 412 661 at home with 19 home runs a triple and 20 doubles and he still had a very solid extra base hit production away from home where he had 11 doubles and nine home runs but he just annihilated the ball at Coors Field and really came out as an offensive leader where really strong overall batting average of 281, really strong, strong overall slugging percentage at 530. He had 249 total bases, uh, leading the team in RBI, leading the team in home runs. Mm-hmm. C.J. Crone, for someone who we signed on a minor league deal in the offseason prior, who was coming off major knee surgery to try and help get his career back on track and was coming into town to try and compete for a starting first baseman role, that he was offensively the best player on this team. Love it. Yeah, no disagreement here. <laughs> uh, C.J. Crone was awesome. What else you can What else can you say, man? It, it, you know, uh, uh, a signing that I I know specifically, Evan, you actually really liked at the start of the season. Uh, you know, you thought he this guy had a lot of upside. You know, he would work well at Coors Field, and that was proven to be absolutely true. C.J. Crone uh, really came in and established himself, especially in a season like I said, where the Rockies' offense was not really their highlight. You know, we talked a lot, a lot about can't talk. We talked a lot about their great pitching and how much these young relievers and starters are coming together, but the offense at times really had trouble clicking at various points of the season, but CJ Crone is kind of that guy that would consistently sort of step up and really get the offense going, or at the very least be the guy to set the table for the rest of the offense. So CJ Crone offensive player of the year is pretty much a lock from all three of us, probably, which brings us down to one. I was going to say one last thing. No, Pro- yeah, please probably do. along with their, the trading for Armand Marquez, the signing of CJ Crone, probably Jeff Breidich's best move as a general manager. That's a really along, good point. Along with the trading for Armand Marquez and what Marquez has become, yeah, those are probably two. The unfortunately, those are the only two. Yeah, yeah. Great signings by that turned out well for Jeff Breidich, but yeah, Bill Schmidt. Credit where it's due. And, and with um, and with mm-hmm. Bill Schmidt as our new GM, one of the first things he did was get CJ Crone locked down for yes two more years until some of our first base prospects are ready. Yes. Um, which I think is fantastic. And if we can keep him for even longer than that with the likely coming of the universal designated hitter, mm-hmm. then I can see CJ Crone being with us for a long, long time. Yeah. It'd and be pretty interesting to see am... CJ Crone be such a part of their success in the future, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy to have him here. Cause like you said, I was high on him to begin with. Yeah, I liked him back when he was with the angels and the twins and the, the rays and the tigers. And I'm really glad that he, he came to us and put things together in such a strong way. Yeah, absolutely, man. Awesome. Awesome. Accolade for uh CJ Crow. And I'm sure he's happy to hear about it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that brings us down to our final award. Our, our big one. This is our best picture award. This is the MVP. Again, pretty straightforward, man. This could be a pitcher. This could be a batter. This could be any guy that you feel contributed to the most of the Rockies' success this season. They did end up making the playoffs, but I think it's fair to say that the Rockies did overall finish and have a better season than we a lot of people, maybe ourselves included, 
thought they were going to have, and this guy contributed the most to that success. Evan, who is your most valuable player for the Rockies in 2021? So, it's tough, and it pains me to say it, um, because he will likely not be joining us again for the 2022 season, but I am listing the Colorado Rockies' most valuable player for 2021 as Trevor Story with his 4.2 B-War, and despite having some offensive difficulties this season, still putting an overall solid season together with 24 home runs, uh, slashing 251, 329, and 471, despite dealing with some injuries, especially in his shoulder and elbow that we were worried about that maybe caused him to commit more errors than we are used to, still putting up a very strong defensively season mm-hmm. where you know, Trevor Story going to Trevor Story, where we saw him make some truly incredible plays. And while you have, say, our best offensive player in C.J. Crone and our best defensive player in Ryan McMahon, Trevor Story is still the one who weds the two the best and the most, where he has this great defense and he has the bat both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there there is still a little bit of hope that he you know, returns to us next year, though it's it's very unlikely. But the fact that even having a down year, Trevor Story was still one of the best players on the entire team says a lot about him. Absolutely. That's a great breakdown. And Skyler, who is your pick for this uh, prestigious award here? Uh, as a spur of the moment, I am changing my decision board of what I have written <laughs> down. I like it. Uh, mostly because as Evan was talking it. I'm going to pull an even further deviation and give myself Ooh. a co-MVP award Ooh. Of, <laughs> of Trevor Story and one Chuck Nasty for okay. two different reasons. So everything that Evan just said about Trevor Story is very applicable. He is you know, the star of the team. He is that leader and you know, how he performed, kind of indicative of how the Rockies ended up the same way you – know, he struggled throughout the year, didn't hit like we thought he were what we were used to seeing. Still uh-huh. ended the season with over 20 homers. Um, I think he got those 20 stolen bases, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he Maybe. Did. He did. All right. He did, so, yeah. yeah. He had so, 20, 20. No, so he would do it on all aspects of the game. Yes, his average and his strikeouts weren't great this year, but he still contributed defensively. Another great year defensively, despite some injuries. Offensively, he still provided some pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he did get on the bases, being that speed demon and everything, you know, just being that leader on the team, having to really take place of Nolan Arenado after all that. You know, and yeah, it, it's still a rocky relationship with the trade deadline drama oh. and everything. But still, he showed up, he competed, did the best he could, uh, despite some of the struggles he had. And who knows, maybe he does want to rebuild his value and takes the qualifying offer. Regardless, he's still set up to do good somewhere else. But then Charlie Blackman, I couldn't go without talking about Chuck Nasty more. Well, yes, (laughs) Chuck Nasty as the aged veteran of the Rockies, the longest tenured Rocky right now. Yeah, he, he struggled offensively as well, but he's still solid throughout the year. Oh, Durable. 
150 games from Chuck Nasty at 34 years old. Had 139 hits, the most on the team. And you know, only 13 home runs, but he still drove in 78 runs. Batted 270, slugged 411. You know, his defense, he still has a good arm, but his defense still is great. But everything that Charlie Blackman is, he is the Colorado Rockies now. Mm. You know, for several years, he is basically the new Todd Helton, so to speak. He likes playing on the Rockies. He said he's going to exercise his options and just being the leader of the team. And I love those, those articles where you know, Charlie Blackman talked about where he wasn't used to that role, but he's kind of learned how to speak up more and help out some of the other players and uh-huh. take, and then being in charge of you know, their after-game ceremony, giving the, the purple chain out uh-huh. and everything. Charlie Blackman, you know, Chuck, Charlie's children, everything. He is the epitome <laughs> of the Rockies and – no, the Rockies that. need that leadership, and what Charlie Blackman does behind the scenes goes a long way. Because I don't think I've ever seen anybody say anything bad about Charlie Blackman amongst so his teammates. They love Charlie. Just this so true. quiet woodsman does his thing, but works hard. Is a grinder, and he is the Colorado Rockies right now. And and I think we saw the pinnacle of his development as a leader because. You know, we've all known Chuck is that, and he said it himself that there's a difference between Charlie Blackman and Chuck Nasty, where you know, off the field, he's he's a quiet and he's a reserved guy. He he likes to keep him to himself, go out in the woods, go fishing, go camping, do all of his outdoorsy stuff. But we really saw the pinnacle of his evolution as a clubhouse leader with what was likely Trevor Story's final game at Coors Field, where. You know, he as sort of the unofficial team captain usually takes the the field first, and he is the one who had it set up that Trevor would take the field first and get his moment in the sun mm-hmm. uh, of taking the field alone and getting his standing ovation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's so so big, and I I really do agree that you know Charlie Blackman offensively had a down year, especially with his power production, and that has a lot to do with how pitchers approached him because. A lot of it is that they're finally respecting him as a hitter, that they're not pitching to him the same way he used to and giving him less to hit that he could hit for home runs. And that's something he had to adjust to and what contributed to his slow, slow start. But he never let it get to him. He always worked really hard to be a leader, both in the clubhouse and on the field. And uh, he said, and I think it's so, so important that he said options, that it it made pretty clear that he intends to finish his career here in Colorado. Yeah. Right. And and so whereas Trevor Story may be the most valuable player, Charlie Blackman to me is the most valuable Rocky. Oh, that's a really good differential to make. That's really interesting. Uh man, got me changing my picks here too. Shoot. <laughs> uh that's crazy. Yes, I think you guys nailed it. I think that Trevor Story was the most valuable Rocky this year. I think the argument could be made for a few guys, right? I think there's an argument to be made for C.J. Crone. I think there's an argument to be made for Brendan Rodgers. I think there's an argument to be made for Herman Marquez. Like, there's a few different people that really, really stepped up this season. But I do think at the end of the day, purely by the numbers, it is Trevor Story. You guys mentioned the B-War, but, you know, what he meant to the team offensively, his defense, you know, quite not quite where we'd like to be compared to, you know, past seasons. Absolutely. I agree with you guys by the numbers, but then you get into the intangibles and that's where you guys got me messed up now because everything you said is so true about Charlie Blackman. 
in what is more than likely to be Trevor Story's last season, as we keep alluding to, Charlie Blackman really stepped up and said, okay, this is my team. And we talk about he's the veteran, right? He's been on the team for 10 years. He says he is, you know, the only player that has been around that long at this point anymore. And so he really sort of has that role of the veteran that has to kind of hold it down for all these, you know, relative newcomers, these rookies and these new signings and things like that. And he has continued to do so. If there's one thing we keep hearing about the Rockies clubhouse, we've mentioned over the last couple of seasons that they are a pretty tight knit group. You know, they laugh a lot. They play together. They uh, know each other pretty well. They hang out like Charlie Blackman is the lifeblood of that group. And, you know, if you want to say the most valuable player on the field was Trevor Story, I would agree with you. But the thing that I have to now consider that you guys got me on is who is the most valuable player in the Rockies organization. And that sounds like it is going to be Charlie Blackman for me. So now you got me all twisted. So yeah, it's going to be, <laughs> I guess I'll, I guess I'll go ahead and lock in as Charlie Blackman just for what he means to this team and this organization and shoot this, uh, this fan base. Well, and think about Chuck and we, it is a very young group, but we see Chuck, our, you know, our captain, playing along with all the stuff that all these young kids are doing. He does the knocks. He wore the Homer shades. Uh-huh. He's, he's there for, for everybody on this team, especially the, the rookies. And I think that's so, so important. Whereas like so where Todd Helton, we, th- that's why I draw that comparison with like Todd Helton in 2007. Mm. And the way Todd Helton was, was, you know, he's the old man in the group with all these youngsters and he stuck, ended up sticking with the team. No, and so whereas Todd Todd Helton's like the Todd father, Charlie Blackman's kind of become like that kooky, like fun uncle, but who really cares, and like people are kind of getting to know him more, and he's assuming that role of okay, I, I got to take care of this team, especially in the wake of you know, all the drama with Nolan Arenado, Jeff Breidich just suddenly changing, and and we see people give a lot more credit to Bill Schmidt of riding the ship and holding the organization together. I think down in that dugout and in the clubhouse, Charlie Blackman did a lot more of holding that team and product on the field, holding them together and holding them to a standard of like, hey, let's just go out there. Let them doubt us. Let's go do what we can. And that's what they did. And, you know, the team did a lot better than people thought they would. They weren't as good as we hoped they would be. But I think Charlie Blackman did a long way of, you know, like we were talking about being that lifeblood and propelling, you know, being the heart of the Rockies and really propelling for he's the father figure you know, to take care of all these youngsters. And eventually when his time's done, hand the reins off to somebody else and tell him to take care of it and hopefully get his number retired, which would be nice. Yeah. There's nobody that I think uh, deserves to ha- be the next one to get their number retired than Charlie Blackman. And if he finishes his career here in Colorado and the organization doesn't retire his number, that's that's criminal. We riot. We riot. <laughs> Chuck Dadsty. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> ended on a sour note. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's a great little uh, breakdown of what Blackman means to the team. So in that case, I guess I guess we're all in agreement that Charlie Blackman is our 2021 MVP, huh? He's my co-MVP. Or, yeah. <laughs> co-MVP. Maybe not the most valuable player like we said, but the most valuable Rocky, like most valuable player. I still stick with it's Trevor story, but the most valuable person to the organization overall, the most valuable Rocky is Chuck. Our MVR. There it is. MVR. 
I love it. And that does it. That is it for our year-end awards. Uh, any closing thoughts from either of you gentlemen on everything? Uh, I want to thank you all for sticking with us through our first 18 episodes. Uh, we work really hard to deliver what we hope is a quality podcast that y'all can have fun listening to. We uh, we pour our hearts into this thing, uh, and it, it really does mean a lot that we've got people listening out there mm. who want to hear us say dumb things about baseball. <laughs> and I am really looking forward to... You know, we'll still sporadically get podcasts out there through the off season, and we'll be right back here in February or March to kick things off for you for the 2022 season. Yes, sir. Skyler, how about you, buddy? Uh, it's going to be a fun off season, but I'll just, again reiterate that. Thanks everybody for tuning in, supporting us, and putting up with my dumb jokes and voices and <laughs> all that good stuff. But no. It's been fun. I love podcasting. I love the Rockies. Fun to talk about it. Yeah, Take it. we'll be back eventually. Yes, we will. And that's that's it for me too, man. Uh, special shout out to Skyler and Evan, man, putting up with all uh, all the garbage we got to do to get this thing going. Evan's such a great part of our you know editing process. Of course, he kind of runs all the technical side of things, and Skyler's the personality, man. He's funny. He's always adding these great topics to get into on the podcast. It's a it's a good group, man. Um, happy to do this with you guys. And, yeah, like they said, thanks so much for everyone that's been listening in. Like they said, we're going to keep on doing this, uh, you know, later on into this offseason, things like that. But definitely keep an eye on the website. We're going to keep things going. We're still doing our Ranking the Rocky series, so keep an eye on that. We're going to have various news and articles throughout the offseason for any of the upcoming changes or roster moves or whatever you guys got. But that's it for us, man. So, But there ain't no left. getting off of this train. No, sir. No, sir. We'll still be with you all through the whole thing. So, as the uh, 2021 Major League Baseball season comes to a close, we get ready to watch the World Series. Skyler, hit him with it one more time. Farewell. There it is. We're out, y'all. <laughs>